Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel and The Shark. We're brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. As always, please go subscribe on whichever device it is that you use. Your College Hooper of the Week this week, it's Aaron Miles, the former guard for Kansas. I think he was there right as Bill Self got in. Of course, we had to include a former Kansas man as your College Hooper of the Week in honor of them bringing home their sixth national title to Lawrence. Hug for Kansas, hug for the Jayhawks. Aaron Miles, your College Hooper of the Week. We're brought to you by Royal Digital Marketing, a.k.a. RDM. RDM specializes in website development and digital marketing for small businesses and startups. So if you need a website, contact them at colin at royaldigital.co. That's C-O-L-I-N at royaldigital.co. CO. Actually, this company is based in Columbia, Missouri. I wonder how the Tigers and their fans are taking this. Obviously, huge rivals with Kansas, although that's dissipated a bit uh, since the conference realignment. I wonder how K-State's taking this, but, you know, RDM Marketing, that's our plug. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB for the final time, boys, before we head off into the off season, let's open the curtains. I have a confession to make. I'm no better than a con man, no better than a liar, fraud, cheat. I'm basically like Elizabeth Holmes, Ken Lay from Enron, Frank Abagnale, who was depicted wonderfully by Leonardo DiCaprio and in the film Catch Me If You Can. I'm no better than any of those guys because I claim to know theater. I claim to know stories. I claim to know college hoops. As a matter of fact, this podcast that you're listening to is theater and college hoops, but it would appear I know none of them. And I was lying to you this entire time for the past two years since we've had this podcast because I finished 70th in the Sharks bracket. Meanwhile, my fiance rolled to her second straight top four finish. 
Now I'm happy because she got a little fold in money. She got $237 for finishing third this year. That means I'm ordering that little extra tiramisu. I'm getting an extra bottle of wine. All right. That's what's, what's hers is mine in about a week. But again, I digress. I said Duke was going to beat Carolina. That didn't come to fruition. I had a tweet a while ago basically saying after the pit loss at home in the Dean Dome that Carolina shouldn't even be in the tournament, and they were within a minute of winning a national title. Taylor, I'm going to start with you. What is the purpose of us even doing a weekly show during the regular season? Does it even matter? Why are we here? I'm glad we're bringing up your shortcomings, considering in the intro you didn't even get how many national championships Kansas has, correct? Is it not six? It's four now. It's four now. Let me edit that. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'm going to, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm not. Just let it fly. Go ahead. Unless we're counting like the Ed Helms or whatever they used to call it tournament of champions in like the 1920s, which Bill Self wasn't even talking about that uh, last night. He said, you know, he's talking about how Kansas is fourth national championship. Uh, I was watching a hype video and it said six. So I'm going to, you know what? I will go with the Helms one. Uh, yeah, I mean, if Bill Self isn't even claiming the Ed Helms National Championship of 1922 or whatever, then I'm not sure that uh, we can either. But yeah, it is kind of shocking uh, that Kansas does only have four national champions championships, though. Um, they've actually finished runner up six times, I believe, uh, in the national championship game, which is pretty surprising. But um, yeah, I, it's not like I did much better in the bracket pool um, than you did. So it's not like I can stand here and uh tell you uh anything better obviously when arizona lost all of our hopes were were dashed let's call it um so that's a yearly thing that we have to deal with pretty much but um i i don't know i i i guess i would have rather seen uh, carolina win their seventh than kansas win their fourth especially considering um kansas is about to get smoked by the NCAA like three weeks after winning a national title in the same exact investigation that tanked the Arizona basketball program for the last five years. We get to watch Kansas, a part of the same exact. Are we sure about that? Are we sure about that? Yes, I'm sure of it as it's 84 degrees in Scottsdale today. So it is a little kind of bittersweet for me from the fanhood side of things where I'm like, oh, great. This guy brought Snoop Dogg on stage and said told the ncaa to fuck off and then gets to win a national title and the program we wrote for got tanked out by the same exact uh discussion but um yeah i don't know maybe maybe we don't know college basketball maybe there is no point to our weekly program here shark i listen listener i'm sorry that you just had to listen to that because i actually turned around my second straight sixth place finish uh it's two straight years so i actually know what i'm talking about these two losers out there in Arizona. Should, we dive, should we dive into the betting results then? Uh, so Taylor beat me in a heads-up betting competition this year, but he, he can have that. But, I mean, the bracket's the ultimate equalizer. I think many people would agree with me right there. Two two straight sixth-place finishes out of 100 people in a bracket. Um, pick the winner two straight years. But I'm not here to talk about myself. I'm here to talk about college hoops. I'm just saying if you're listening to the show and you want to get advice on picks – don't listen to the Arizona guys. Listen to the shark. I won't disagree with that. I, I did tweet out. I'm, I'm taking Kansas over Carolina before the game with a little asterisk disclaimer that I don't know diddly squat. And there was a time 15, 15 point lead at half. I think the largest lead they had was 16. Kansas did obviously end up winning. 
But Shark, what the, what's our purpose during the months of November through through February? Because like I said, we saw Carolina go all the way to the title game. I mean, let me tell you something, Father. You ever seen uh, Along Came Polly? Yes. All right. End of that film. There's a scene with Irving Pfeffer. That's Reuben Pfeffer's dad. Uh, Reuben Pfeffer, played by Ben Stiller. His father's named Irving Pfeffer. Crucial scene where he confronts Sandy Lyle, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, in the lobby of a uh, Jesus Christ superstar performance. And it's kind of just the same story over and over again with Sandy Lyle, where he's talking about himself and he gets the rug pulled out under him and he's embarrassed and he's trying to live in the past. And then Irvin Pfeffer, who is an extremely soft-spoken individual, speaks up for the first time in that film and he looks at him. And you're going to have to splice this in, Father. You're going to have to do it right now as well. It's not about what happened in the past or what you think might happen in the future. It's about the ride, for Christ's sake. But he looks him in the eyes and says, it's always the same with you, pal. You know, it, it, life is about the ride for Christ's sakes. That's the, that's the ending point of that line. So you're sitting here upset with me. You're mad because your, your beautiful fiance beat you in the bracket. And you're wondering, why do I do all these man hours during November, December, January, all the editing on my podcast? Why, what am I doing watching Utah State play against Fresno State at 11.30 p.m. on a Thursday night. What am I doing? And that's a, that's a fair question, but it's about the ride for Christ's sakes, Father. All right, because you enjoy this. This is called a hobby. We all got hobbies. Some people like to go out there and garden. Some people like to do poetry. Some people like to go um, to the opera. That's not our hobbies. All right, this is what we enjoy doing. It makes you happy. So don't ever feel sorry for yourself about watching this sport, about performing badly. If you need some tips, I'm happy to give you some tips on how to pick winners next year. But don't ever feel bad. I don't like seeing you like this. Okay. Look, it's just it, it's a it's a state of really just questioning myself. I suppose is where I'm at right now. So you're right, though. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this season. It was terrific. The NCAA tournament always delivers, and we'll get to the game that always delivers. But I will say, and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago: no buzzer beaters. Very few buzzer uh, game winning or game tying shots under 10 seconds our guy ncaa buzzer beaters was there twiddling his thumbs i feel bad for him but that's why we're in the theater business because there were plenty of games under two minutes that were one possession and one of the big storylines of course this tournament congratulations to kansas but it was carolina's run taylor what i want to do is recap this past weekend and we have to start with carolina duke your general thoughts, your takeaways. What were some of the highlights for you watching that game Saturday? Boy, I mean, for me, that's exactly the outcome that I was rooting for. Um, I think. And you called. Well, I mean. I mean, that's where you got a two-step. The Sharks over here taking every, yeah, every single I mean, opportunity. He, know, he knows he can't, though. He knows he can only do like a little bit of two-stepping in the corner of the room. But the minute he gets out into the center of the dance floor, that's when I'm about to rip off like a Russian dance in his face, and he can't compete with that. So he knows to stay in his corner, talk about the bets that he made this past weekend. But the minute, the minute he wants to do a little bit more on that dance floor, I'm going to take him away uh, like I'm Frank Sinatra. So down the stretch, you know, I did go two and one in all of the big weeks that were necessary to uh, close out the title shark went one and two pretty much every week down the stretch to lose uh, the title after we uh, were tied. So um, if we want to talk about bets, we can just talk about consistently. Uh, I gave out a future. I gave out a future Kansas to win the title back in December. If you got that, that's nine to one. We're all happy today. Stay in the uh, corner. Stay in the corner. 
with the masters if i can make you ever seen you ever seen hitch you ever seen hitch when he's like this is your this is your little box just stay in the box that's you right now do the q-tip that's all you got if we can make a masters reference here because it is masters week uh it's all about if you're if you're to win the masters let's say like tiger woods it's all about just being consistent and letting the other people make mistakes that's what it's all about you know is setting out setting the lead and then letting others fail to catch you that's was that your was that your strategy when you came in 85th out of 100 people in the bracket i think i came in 49th i thought yeah sometimes you just got to throw a number out there see if it (laughs) (laughs) which i guess is tall i don't even know i stopped looking i think i'm i may be in 49th percentile over i don't give a shit whatever once arizona lost i knew i was out that's all that matters it's okay you know um anyway uh i think what what would you say the would you say it was like what ninety ten was anybody was any casual fan rooting for Duke in that game? I, I wasn't rooting for Duke, but I also wasn't was. going to pile on and you were rooting for Duke for your bracket. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, okay. Okay. it's not for my bracket; it's for my picks. I want I want to be right. Okay. Yeah, okay. I like being right. Okay, so set that aside. Was were I mean I was not that actively on- rooting for Carolina. Yeah. I, Oh, I was I was definitely actively rooting for Carolina, regardless of my picks. Um, or, or you know, and obviously my bracket was toast. So I just I I just think this the the fact that Carolina has like the ultimate. Well, they almost have the ultimate trump card. If they would have won uh, uh, the national championship, then they would have had the ultimate ultimate trump card over North Carolina. This is like or over Duke. This is about as close as you can come to having the ultimate trump card over Duke without winning a national title. To essentially end coach's coach K's career like twice is like a storybook type of situation. I don't I obviously don't feel bad for them that they lost the national championship. You know, that's not exactly the right way to put it. Would have been really cool for them to, you know, extend that all the way out. But that but that game was just awesome. You and I were talking about it uh for Carolina to go on like an 11 0 run essentially in the beginning of the second half to just bring it all the way back, which is funny, which is kind of the same way they ended up losing uh in the national championship game. Um you know, what a what a run for them of ups and downs, especially in three of the last four games that they played, giving up a 25-point lead, coming back against your arch rival in the final four as well, and then also giving up a 15- or 16-point lead to lose in the final is uh, a roller coaster of emotions there. But that game was an all-timer. It's, it's exactly what we deserve for, uh, you know, Coach K's last game, um, for just a final four game in general. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, obviously Caleb Love, what, how many points did he end up scoring that game? I can't even remember. I don't know, but he 20, hit that 28, yeah, 28, 30. Yeah. We saw him drop a 30 bomb in 50, right. or I in mean, Philly, excuse me. That was awesome. You know, obviously for uh, for Armando Baycott to sustain that uh, injury in that game and ha- honestly had one of the all-time quotes in, like, modern college basketball history when he's like, yeah, I 100% didn't think I was coming back in the game, but then I realized I was playing in, one of the biggest games, if not the biggest game in college basketball history. So I just had to thug it out. What a quote. What a, what a great quote there. Um, feel bad that he got hurt in the national championship game in the situation that he did. Obviously, we'll get to that. But, yeah, I think my uh, my overall thoughts aren't deep because it's not it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say, yo, that game was dope because it really was. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Storybook. That's the one thing that I parsed out from your explanation there because – Last week, I was so focused on the story of Coach K. How can a coach and a team get this golden second opportunity and squander it, right? When 
on the other end of the spectrum, I didn't even see the the potential storyline for Carolina doing it twice. It just seems so out of the realm of possibility. But that game was absolutely marvelous. Shark, what did you take away? What were some of your highs and lows? Any any takeaways from that game on Saturday? Uh, I'm less so on the storybook ending. I, I mean, it's North Carolina. They're they're one of the their top five program in college basketball history. This isn't like it was St. Peter's or some other small school going in and toppling the big, bad Duke. I mean, if anything, Duke reversed the whole narrative beforehand where North Carolina was the bigger school and Duke had somehow supplanted it. It's not the way coach K wanted it to end. Of course, I think he'd be an idiot if he thought that he'd be happy with how he's ending his season. I was very surprised that Carolina answered every single Duke run. Duke didn't really play great at all. They shot like five for 22 from three, um, you know, Bancaro wasn't himself. AJ Griffin really didn't give any, honestly, everyone on Duke didn't play well, except for Keels. Um, and they, that was the only reason in there, they were in the game and they were consistently going up six and then Carolina would just somehow respond and find a way to stay in it. So I'm less so on the, Oh my gosh, what a cool story. It's so, I'm so happy to see Carolina win. Carolina's won enough. If anything, I, I, I just thought Duke was going to win. So I was upset to see them fall apart. Um, the Coach K component, you know, we got into this on the, the last time that he had his ceremony in uh, his last game in Cameron Indoor Stadium. I, I really don't get a lot of the hate for him. I, I don't. I think it's kind of cool to see him play it off, and I don't know why he became such a villain um, throughout his legacy. I always thought he was a guy that was somewhat easy to root for. He seemed like a coach that, I don't know, I, I want him to be my coach, and I don't see the, the – um, negative side of him that people really wanted to start two stepping all over him once, once he failed. Um, and, you know, I look at that game. I, I don't, I still honestly don't know how Carolina done it. Obviously love was incredible. Manic hit that huge three under two minutes. I honestly point to there was 10 minutes left in that game and it was tied. Duke had momentum. They come out of a timeout. They get a stop. The ball's going out of bounds. Paolo Boncaro, does the one thing you should never do in basketball, aside from trying to make a pass after you leave your feet, which is he saved the ball underneath his own rim. And in doing that, it bounced directly into the hands of Armando Baycott, who gets an and one in Mark Williams' fourth foul. And what they did, 10 minutes left in that game, I actually think Duke came back and scored right after it. But it put Williams on the bench for a long period of time, and we all know he missed those free throws when they really needed it. But he was iced and not in the flow of the game whatsoever. And I point at that just because that was the perfect example of that game. Everyone on the court was probably better. Every player on Duke was probably better than every player in North Carolina, maybe outside of um, – if you're comparing positions, I think every single Duke player was better than every Carolina player, except Caleb Love maybe the difference on that night. Um, and I, I honestly think Mark Williams is a better player than Amarondo Baycott as well. But – for whatever reason, those plays where it's you got a perfect elite player, a five-star player on the Carroll making a dumb mistake, getting it into a guy that was just a savvy college player in that night, Armando Baycott, who just went up, made the shot, got the fourth foul on the crucial big man rim protector. And that kind of was just the story of that game. So I'm less so on the I'm ready to dance on Coach K's grave. It's the end of a, a college coaching career that we'll never see again. I don't think anyone's really going to match that. The only one that I, I can't even think of anyone that would threaten it at this point. Um, I'm still not counting them out for coming back, too. That's a bad way to end it. But th that was my takeaway from the game. I was hoping that Duke would win for personal purposes. But what can you do? Right. I, th I think 
the, that that play that you mentioned is a very poignant one. But the 11-0 run that Carolina put together when they were down seven showed me everything that we needed to know about this Carolina team and how different they were than the team that lost to Pitt at home. You go down to seven in a final four game, and it takes cojones. It takes balls of steel. It takes heart, toughness, grittiness to come back and just put together 11 straight points. And the thing that put it over the top was how quickly they did it. I think they got a four-point lead in about a minute and a half. I mean, it was like three threes in a row and then a bucket. So the pace in which they got that 11-0 run was critical. It actually is exactly what Kansas did in the title game. Under 16 timeout in the second half, they got that lead down to single digits, and you knew the the tide was turning for sure. Uh, But this Carolina-Duke game had everything. I wrote it up in the blog, but the dichotomy between Paolo Bancaro, a silky smooth and tough guy from the Pacific Northwest who's going to be a lottery pick, going up against a Brady Manic, a grad transfer from the plains of Oklahoma, just weathered, right? And they're just banging bodies left and right. That game was just amazing. And then the Caleb Love shot, man. I I, I love I love a few items, right? It's that John Dillinger quote, what do you want to know about me? I like fast cars, beautiful women, all that stuff. You know, I like Welsh and Airedale Terriers. I love pasta salad. I like a good barbecue. But I also love a huge shot in the tournament with Jim Nance on the call and the crowd going crazy, right? And Caleb Love hitting that three to push them up four was, that was one of those moments where I went onto YouTube and I played it on full blast. I did the exact same thing with Jalen Suggs last year. I did the same thing with Ali Farokmanesh coming down against Kansas and hitting a, a preposterous shot. But that 11-0 run and also getting their bigs in foul trouble. You mentioned Mark Williams, of course, the starter. But Theo John, dude, four fouls in the first half. We used to, Shark, you and I, or I, I did, I used to play with a guy who was just a bruiser and he would accumulate fouls quicker than you could snap your fingers, and he would just be rendered useless. Theo John, on the offensive end, was actually pretty decent, but there was no depth after Mark Williams and Theo John, and that eventually killed Duke because Armando Baycott showed the guy guy had a double-double in every single game. If you don't have any of your bigs to, to stop him, you're in trouble, and Taylor Carolina ended up winning that game. Yeah, I think the story of all three games in the Final Four really is depth. Um, you, you know, Duke only played uh, seven players in that game. Even Carolina had at least a little more depth than Duke did. That was something we we had talked about. Maybe that was their weak point, is they didn't really have anyone, uh, you know, behind their starters. Um, same kind of same thing with Nova, especially after the injury and to Kansas. And then, you know, even in the national championship game, I'd say Kansas had a few more horses than, than North Carolina. So I would say that that was probably the biggest takeaway from the final four as a whole is just, uh, is just depth or lack thereof. But it's also the, the, you know, going back to what shark said, kind of the, the beautiful part about college basketball, right. Is Duke, you could even go onto the bench if you wanted to shark and say, okay, well, Duke may have seven better players than than North Carolina. I mean, you got Keels coming off the bench. It, that's a pretty good six man, and Theo John too. You know, uh, so I mean, Roach. I guess you would probably say Caleb Love is better than Roach, but but yeah, I mean, that's the great part about college basketball is you you took essentially seven better dudes than the other guys across the court and a better coach, and lost. And that's yeah. If you want to ask why we do it, Sue. 
that's why we do it right there. That's right. That's right. Shark, uh, we're going to get to another element of this game that put it completely over the top in one of our favorite Final Four games. But I do want to address your point about Coach K real quick. First of all, I do understand why the jokes had to fly. I get fans wanting to two-step on Twitter. I mean, I, I truth be told, if you don't understand that sentiment, I think you're kind of naive to what has transpired. It's it's a result mostly, okay, I would say about 85-90% a result of their dominance and how many Final Fours and their wins. And everyone loves seeing Duke lose. And, of course, we you can go into the characters, the players that have gone through Duke. How are you going to root for a guy like Christian Leitner who does an Irish jig on a Kentucky player, right? I mean, it's not like these guys are choir boys. You got Grayson Allen tripping people all the time. But I, I, there is a small percentage um, that a lot of people have, have surfaced in terms of stories that may not be great. You ask a guy like Wendell Carter. Do you like Coach K? I don't think he does because apparently Coach K like yelled at his mom or something. And I guess he he blamed Corey McGretty or William Avery for screwing his program for going to the pros a little too early back in 99. So I, I get why people are two-stepping. I just personally wasn't going to do it because the guys accomplished everything that, that you can in this sport. At this point, it's just kind of hating. But the thing is, a lot of a lot of people that that tweet the jokes and get the memes off. They understand that. They're like, yes, I am a hundred percent a hater. They don't try and hide behind some curtain. They completely acknowledge. Yes, I am a hater. I hate Duke. I hate coach K. I'm going to enjoy this because it is a truly once in a lifetime thing. And Taylor real quick, before you jump into your point, I think they do. Carolina does still have the ultimate Trump card. They beat coach K twice in Cameron. Last game of the year, I said they were playing with house money as an eight seed. They didn't need to win a title. They were there up 15. They did enough. If I'm Carolina, you can, if Duke, if Duke tries to say anything, I'd be like 2021, 20, 2022. That's all I got to say. Mic drop. Well, uh, you know, I, I think you people just now fail to, I'm not saying shark or either of you here, but people fail to understand that you can, not like a guy and still respect. I mean, it's all, it's like LeBron that LeBron is the perfect example of this, right? Like, or I guess you could take Aaron Rodgers for a more personal example is a lot of people don't like those people, but at the same time, you, you can still respect the fact that they're the best at what they do. So I, I think a lot of times the hate that people get is, is too matched up with trying to say, Oh, like you don't think they're good. Like I think coach K is a dick and has been a grumpy old man for since he was, probably 18 years old but that doesn't mean that he's not like the best coach of all time but i, w- I do want to go way back to what something the shark said jay williams this morning on first take is suggesting that coach k might come back because nolan smith left to go to uh louisville uh the lead lead assistant so um that would be if that happens that's exactly why people don't like coach k because what a fucking selfish bullshit thing that would be to do we don't have to go into hypotheticals here but i just wanted to point out that jay williams did say that today would completely take away from all of the hard work producers and everyone else did uh with with the with the farewell tour but what put this game over the edge and i've said last year's ucla gonzaga game ever so slightly edges this Carolina Duke final four game as the two best live events i've ever seen i, I wasn't in the building but i was watching them but what put this game truly over the top was Guster, a little band called Guster. I'm just trying to monitor the the runs, the scoring runs. And apparently, Shark, your phone was buzzing like a wasp's nest. Yeah, um, 
that was so Guster. I had the tweet about Guster um, to set the stage a little bit. I mean, it's it's Saturday. I'm actually I'm not in past two weeks. I've been watching these games with my boys this week. Um, it's my wife's bridal shower. And I always said wife's bridal shower. It's COVID wedding. Get over it. All right. Actual weddings coming. She's having her bridal shower. So I'm like the, I mean, this is not a guy's day right here. You know, I'm kind of just in and out. I'm carrying some things. I'm saying hello. I'm doing the hugs. I'm doing all that. Uh, spend the day at the in-laws house. Watch the first Kansas-Nova game. Not a great game. Had Kansas. They come through. Um, and then the plan was I was going to go back to my parents' house with, with my wife to watch the next game. So this is a full day of kind of hanging out, having a good time. Um, me mainly hanging out with women. And then eventually I kind of get back. I, I get set up. Great TV set up here. My wife and my mom are talking over there, um, you know, while the game's going on. So I don't like that. That's not an angle for me to go to. I got my dad over there on his chair. and He's kind of looking like he's about to fall asleep for a little bit. But he was locked into the game to so like recline way down there. Not really a conversation outlet pass for me right there. So I'm just sitting there. And I'm used to being able to just fire off a quip over here. One of my buddies down in the south end, whatever it may be. But I this time I'm just looking around. I'm like, I got no, I got no pass. And that's why we invented Twitter. Right. Cause I'm thinking as I watch this game, I see this Guster is for lovers sticker over coach K's left shoulder every single time they go to it. And I'm thinking in my head, who the hell is this guy? I mean, you're pissing me off. Why would you, you your, your smugness to just say, I love Guster. Let me get it on TV. Guster, Guster, Guster. You're my satellite, whatever that song is. And I eventually I, I have no I can't talk to my wife and mom. I can't talk to my dad. I don't want to wake him up. So I fire off the tweet and I fire off this tweet and I fired off a lot of tweets. I mean, let's be honest. You can go look at my, my profile at this point. Um, but there's something different as soon as I sent this one, because I saw Rob Douster like immediately latch onto it. I don't know what it was that people immediately jumped on it. Um, and then sure enough, a lot of the other college basketball guys get to it. And initially it's just college basketball. And then all of a sudden it becomes the Guster Hyenas. And that's the best comparison I could give him. We've been, I've been in the, I've been in the foxhole with the Providence Hyenas many times. All right. I've carved out my own fighting hole. I've had to take them on from every which angle. Um, the Guster Hyenas are a different species. These guys come in. I, I think they were like speaking a different language to me. I think they were quoting the lyrics to Guster songs and like mocking me. So I was the butt of the joke. I, I still don't fully understand it, but it was just a lot of like speaking in tongue to me. And I'm like, Oh, look at this idiot, the shark. Whoa. What, what's wrong with you? Uh, you care too much. Uh, so it is. So it be dumb. Some, some stupid stuff like that. And I didn't really understand it. And then it kind of kept going from there. Eventually Norlander who it was, which is another point. No, I didn't even know it was Norlander. And I'll be honest. I, our buddy, the Providence crier, many years ago told us that he booked Norlander to show up on his podcast. And apparently Norlander big leagued them. So ever since that happened, I don't respect Norlander because he big leagued the Providence crier. So it worked out for me that it was Norlander. That was the guy that was going to the coffee shop with his Guster sticker. Um, but that was kind of the story. I mean, the tweet took off. There's like an article written about it. And it said that the sharks, me, um, my tweet was the one that got the attention of Norlander. And the next thing you know, they had CB. Actually, the game was on TNT. TNT had to make a decision in the NCAA, or is it TBS? It was TBS. Whatever. Um, same thing. They had to make a decision about covering up the sticker. So there I was, just sitting in a leather chair up in northern Massachusetts, dictating the coverage of the the NCAA Final Four in New Orleans, and the, one of the biggest games in the history of the sport. 
you left this out though. We had Nora Lander, of course, latch onto it. Douster, Seth Mandel, Jeff Goodman tweeted about it. Norlander's brother came to his defense. Basically, he, he came you, in hot. Yeah, he, he, came he hot. gave you two insults in a matter of like six words. Okay, I mean, take, take it easy. Take it easy. Clearly, take it easy. But you know who else interacted with you? That Dust. was a, a little bit, almost like a little too. Uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? A little too active. It's Guster. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. I mean, Guster eventually got in there, and you know, here's my thing with Guster. I, we are at me and Guster. It's a professional respect thing at this point because they came in um, initially to the rally call of all their fans that were in my mentions mocking me. And then they showed me respect. They did the shark emoji out of nowhere. And then it turned into a little back and forth and there's a mutual level of respect. I told them I'd listen to their songs. Um, I, there's only one Guster song that I've known in my entire life going into that episode. And it was the one that I just started singing. You know, I'm sure you're going to splice it at one point, but it was my old high school baseball buddy was obsessed with Guster. And you would only, I, this was the only one that I listened to clink a shout out if you're out there somewhere, big Guster guy. Um, but yeah, I, it was a crazy thing to happen. And then as I'm sitting there and I'm sitting in my chair and I'm still in that same environment that I described to you beforehand, where I got the wife, the mom, the dad, they're all doing their own thing. And I'm just sitting there looking at my phone and I got Guster and all these people coming after me. And I'm wondering, this is what Twitter's all about. I love this invention. To, to bring it full circle. That is why we go through the dog days of November and December, because if in that moment or in those months, you said, Okay, if you stay up for this Big West game between two teams combined with 10 wins, I can guarantee you a Final Four between Duke and North Carolina, and the Shark will go viral and interact with Guster. Go ahead, Taylor. Wonderful picture you painted there, because I think we've all been in that scenario before, and you're trying to be like, Yo, no, listen, like I have like 370 likes on this tweet that I, and you know that your dad, your mom, and your wife would be like, okay, like what is it? What is it? What does that matter to me? Like, same thing when actually we should, we both need to thank Duke and North Carolina because our two top tweets that you and I have both ever had have been in regards to something we don't like about Duke, Duke North Carolina games, uh, this one and the last one. So shout out to Duke, North Carolina for that. But same thing happened to me. I'm like, my girlfriend, like Danielle, like my tweets taken off and she's like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. No, I don't think you understand. Like this is, yeah, no, that's great. A wonderful, I, 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 I can't believe that you painted such a good picture like that though. You are really a master of theater. Cause we've all been in that scenario before the dad leaning back, falling asleep in the chair, a classic dad college basketball scene right there. When the college basketball world was already on full tilt, somehow the shark put a jolt. And at, it's like we were already in Paul Walker and Vin Diesel's car and the Nas button was pressed. Somehow the shark added like a double Nas button with the Guster tweet. So hilarious. Real quick before we move on, though, Shark, did you ever find out how to mute notifications for Twitter? Because I'm sure your phone was just zzz, zzz. Um, I, I mean, I took it out vibrate. But... No, every time I open my phone up, there'd be there'd be a lot going off. More than I'm used to. Let me put hey, it that I, I saw pancakes got into the fracas as well. That's how, that's the ultimate litmus test for me because I'm pretty sure that pancakes is Soup's wife over here. I'm pretty sure she doesn't even follow me. I've been working for that follow for years at this point. And then she came to my defense. All the people that came to my defense in the mentions, there's a few of you that came into my defense a little bit too hard looking at B Kid 26 over there. Whoa. Um, but I, I mean, there's a. 
it, it was fun. I mean, that was the whole point. It was fun. It kind of did distract me from the game a little bit. I want to point that out. I wasn't too pleased with that, but you know, it was, it was a good, good little adventure. Shark. I got to apologize for not coming to your defense there. I, I you know, I, and honestly, I don't even know how you would, I don't know how you I don't, yeah, I'm not. I, I don't speak their language. They're, they're like laughing at stiff stuff that I don't find funny. They're saying things I don't understand. Um, it's like, dude, I, I, everything I said in that tweet, you know, from the stupid computer, the stupid bumper sticker, go to a coffee shop, you bum. I literally mean that. Don't bring your Guster computer and sit behind Coach K in the biggest game of his life. You don't need to. I understand they're not a mainstream band. All right. I think the drummer was in my mentions being like, oh, sorry, we're not a corporate chill. Like, dude, I don't care about everything you are talking about. All I'm doing is just firing off this Guster tweet from my leather chair over here. Take your people and go sing at, you know. A small venue. A small, sing at the cop, go to the coffee shop, get out of my face, all right? Hilarious stuff. That is what put the game over the edge, and the Guster game is what it's going to be called moving forward. Now, after the Guster game, of course, we had the title game between Carolina and Kansas. Back and forth, Carolina up 15 at halftime. Kansas hot out of the gate, actually in the first half and, of course, the second half. But there was a there, there was a stretch where Kansas could not score for about five straight minutes. They looked like the team that got mollywhopped in Lawrence against Kentucky earlier in the year, if you guys remember this. But again, they retook the lead. Then Carolina showed more resolve. And as it ended, Kansas ended up with a three-point win. Taylor, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I maybe I'm viewing this wrong, but you know, the whole second half we we heard about um, you know, Kansas coming back, this incredible comeback, unbelievable, you know, the largest comeback in national championship game history. Did anyone feel like Kansas was ever out of this game? Well, you know, that was my kind of takeaway. And this isn't to take anything away from the comeback that they made, but maybe it's because they made it in such a quick fashion. I mean, Watching this game, uh, Danielle, again, I'm watching with this game, and she's like, oh, it's a blowout. And I'm like, eh, it's only 15. Like, they'll probably get it down to single digits, like, within five minutes in the second half. And literally, that's what happened. Like, I, I, you know, I am impressed with the fact that they made the largest comeback in national championship game history. But am I off base to think that I wasn't, like, Jim Nance, you know, obviously – he's the best, but they kept harping on this. Oh my God, what an incredible, unbelievable comeback. And I was like, well, I, I mean, I guess. Like, I think it, I'm, I'm with you real quick. Sorry to interject, but I, I'm, I'm with you. Like that was the least safe 15 point lead. I think it also had to do with the seeding one versus eight. I think it also had to do with the fact that Kansas couldn't dribble and walk. And we were like, all right, that's not going to keep up. And I also think that the depth of Carolina, we're like, they're going to get worn down. I am with you in that sentiment where I'm like, this game's not over by any stretch of the imagination. No, I disagree. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah I don't I, have much to add to that. I, I honestly disagree just based on how Kansas looked after the first 10 minutes of the game. I mean, they couldn't get any look. Abaji wasn't attacking the rim. Jalen Wilson was missing every layup he could possibly get. They're chucking up threes. There's no reason watching that game to think that Kansas would be able to storm back. And it's not like they've been an explosive you know, comeback team throughout the season as well. I mean, you look at their roster, it's not like they had, they maybe have one first round pick on that roster right now. I mean, they maybe. did it against Miami though. 
Okay, but that's Miami. All right, that's Miami. But I guess that's comparable to North Carolina as well. But it was 15 in the national championship game. I no one. I haven't seen this out there, and I know everyone was all about Hubert Davis, and I think Hubert Davis is a phenomenal coach. He did a great job in the tournament. He struggled at the, at the beginning of the year, and I'm definitely not saying that he's a bad coach. Um, but he peaked way too early in that game. He was way too excited. He was – and that maybe that reflected on the team. I don't know. But when Carolina came out of the half, they didn't do themselves any favors. They were taking shots within like five seconds of the shot clock. I don't think Manic took a shot for like the first eight minutes. They're taking horrible shots. They take way too long to call timeouts. They, they really just let Kansas back in it. It really wasn't anything that Kansas was doing except for one stretch. And during that stretch, when Remy Martin was hitting threes and, um, uh, Wilson hit a three. North Carolina was actually going tit for tat with him at that point, but the lead went completely away because Hubert Davis didn't jump in to stop it. So I, I don't know. I, I think that was the biggest issue for me. It wasn't easy for Kansas to get buckets throughout. Carolina played great defense in that game. Manic was a rim protector. Baycott was all over the place. Leaky Black was getting the fouls that he needed. It just, I don't know. I would have called timeout earlier. And then later on, he didn't call timeout when they should have. Yeah, I – I, I don't know. I think what you just said as a second half of that statement, though, is why I was not surprised that impressed with it. Cause you know, you knew that North Carolina had had its struggles all year. We literally had already seen them give up a 25 point lead in this tournament. You know, that they had a first year uh, head coach and that they had, uh, you know, very little depth and Bacot or Baycott was hurt. So I think all of those factors really is why I wasn't really surprised by it. Um, and this is not to say anything bad about Kansas, but I feel like Kansas just won a national championship by playing maybe one good, one really good game of the six that they played. I thought they played very well against, you know, really well against Villanova, shot the ball well, kept the turnovers down. I don't think they played like particularly awesome in the other five games of the tournament, though. I mean, and this isn't to, I mean, that is the tournament, I guess, in a way. And I think maybe the last couple of years we've seen, you know, maybe teams like, I don't know, Zagger or Baylor, like Baylor beat the shit out of everybody last year. Like they won every game by double digits, right? I believe in on their way to the title. So m- maybe I'm just thinking of that, but I, I feel like it was kind of interesting where Kansas, they have really good halves at times, like against Miami and whatnot. But I feel like the only really good game they put together was against Villanova. And yet here we are with them as national champions. So I guess that is the tournament in a way that is college basketball in a lot of ways. But um, I, I, I do want to push back on something else, not that you guys said, but just a decision that was made by whoever makes this decision. But Ochai Agbaji winning the most outstanding player was I, – I thought he was like his their fourth best player in, in yeah. the final four. Like, I, it was only three-point shots too. Like he didn't – he didn't play the way that he did throughout the season when he was, it was more of a slasher. I, I would have given it to McCormick personally. He hit every single big bucket they had. I know Brown was good, but Brown was, he's in spurts. Um, Brown is a spurts guy, uh, but McCormick, every time they needed a big bucket, that guy just busted his ass. Uh, he's, he's my kind of, I, I would go most outstanding player. Who do I remember from that run? If I'm th- if I'm attributing that team to a person's face, I'm going to remember David McCormick for this Kansas team. And he deserves it too. He's been there forever. He's been a great player. He's had a great career. Um, I would have gone McCormick. Totally with you. I would have gone McCormick as well. It's not a Caleb love esque shot against Duke, but that jump hook that sealed the game because yeah, you can argue 
Carolina probably should have gone to the hole, uh, extended the game, maybe get an easy layup, then foul. And like I said, extend the game. But he hits that over Brady Manic, and who knows? It might be a different story if Armando Baycott's on the floor with a half decent ankle. But just the play before Baycott completely messed it up again, and so Carolina had to go small with Manic. McCormick rises up, and he's really improved his interior game hits that shot, and now all the pressure in the world is on Carolina. Uh, so I, I agree with you. And then he dominated Eric Dixon, who is a serviceable, really solid player for Villanova and one of the better bigs in the Big East. He made him look like a child. McCormick was terrific. Can I just yeah. say one great point? One thing on that McCormick, that that play you just referenced, he actually scored twice at the end of the game when they needed a bucket. Both baby hooks in the paint. And that they were both against Brady Manic as well. And the big takeaway there is you got the six foot ten senior that's been there for four years, grinded his ass off, went at Manic in the crucial time periods of that game and scored twice. Even one of them he missed, got an offensive rebound. Two nights before, Boncaro did not deliver in that same exact setup against Brady Manic as well. Manic somehow that that you know Dwight Schrute looking guy found a way to get a stop. And that's why college basketball seniors experience. That's why it matters. McCormick came through in the clutch when his team needed it. I'd say he looks a little bit more like Moe's Schrute, but that's I see fine. what, what you're fine. going with. Take a Schrute, you know? But yeah, I mean, he had 15 and 10 in this game, and then he had 20 and 9 in the other game. You know, it's the most outstanding player of the Final Four, not just of one game. And I mean, I, I don't really remember a single shot that Igbaji made in the national championship game. I mean, I know that uh, he hit a, a, you know, a three kind of late, but well, no, he, he would started like six for six and threes against Villanova. Yeah. He's great shooting in the championship game. In the he started shooting game. well too. I, I, I don't even think he was the best player in the Nova game though. And he was unconscious. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. Like I would give that to McCormick, but yeah, I, you could definitely argue who the MOP is, but I think that's the beauty of this. Kansas I was just team. gonna say, yeah, go ahead. That's like, what I was that's say. that's the beauty of this Kansas team, and I would. This is just a personal preference. I'm not gonna be like an old man, get off my lawn. But the beauty of this Kansas team is that no player scored more than 15 points. It was truly a balanced effort, right? You got McCormick down low. You got Ochai, the star. You got Christian Brown, who was the spark plug. Actually, the spark plug was Remy Martin, but Christian Brown helped out as well. Even uh, uh, Dewan. Wilson, right? Dewan Wilson hit some big time shots or uh, no, uh, Wilson, Jalen Wilson is the star from Texas. Dewan Harris, excuse me. I'm sorry. I don't know college basketball. All of these guys contributed in some sort of way. Mitch Lightfoot, who's been doing this for six years. I mean, you look across the board, it truly was a total team effort, but I will say if it wasn't for Remy Martin, they're not winning this title, man. And that's crazy to say. Mitch Lightfoot, four fouls in seven minutes, by the way. Just like Theo Johns, same sort of treatment against Baycott. I was going to bring that up earlier, but Baycott's just a great player. I think that's the point right there. But, I, I mean, that's good. That's a good assist you just gave me there, Father, because, again, a couple weeks ago, old boy Taylor out there talking about how bad Remy Martin is, and I would have agreed with him throughout the Final Four until we got to that second half. He had that banking three in the first half. I could wipe that clean. And I was fully seeing. Hold on, I'm was, you. I was like, "No, he's definitely yeah. gonna hit like three more threes." And then he now. missed another like, one right after. No, he's. But when that banked in, I was like, "Fuck, he's hitting at least three more threes now." I'm thinking to myself, "My gosh, I'm gonna have to agree with this guy Taylor on something. It's gonna be on Remy Martin." And then that second half, he was incredible. I mean, the two corner threes, but the step back one that was wetter than a 
pool. Seal. Yeah. I was gonna go. I was gonna go raunchy, and I'm like, you know what? Let's not go raunchy. It's been a good year. It's been a good year. But that that area, I think it was the far corner. Oh. Ten percent down. White picket fence. Tire in for a tire swing in the front yard. That was Remy Martin, and it was right in front of the Kansas bench too. So you knew he got a little bit more juice as well. What a also that runner with the left too. I mean that yeah, he had that layup on with the left hand at one point as well. Turns it over a decent amount, but just huge shots that they needed off the bench. He didn't play the first ten minutes in the second half either. So this was all just uh, within ten uh, minutes. Grant Hill had the greatest comparison, and I want to start stealing this for basketball as well. He called. Remy Martin, a third down running back. And that was that so was great. Good. Yeah, it was third great. down running back. That was perfect. He's a third down running back. Mitch Lightfoot was probably like an aging right tackle that's getting doped up before a game and false starting about six times. But Remy Martin, a third down running back, was great. God, his shot is so atrocious to watch, too. It, it looks look like good. it looks like it's going to come up like a foot short every single time. I will say, actually, Remy Martin also had – it wasn't like an unbelievable block or anything like that, but he had a fairly big defensive play with like a minute, minute and a half left. I believe he blocked Caleb. I mean, Caleb Love was a little out of control, probably wasn't going to make the shot anyway, but Remy, Good I mean, fil- you know, uh, finished the play, let's call it, um, you know, got that extra yard to get the first down, I guess, would be the the comp there and, and made a block there. Um, this was really um, a good role for Remy Martin. That's this is really who he was meant to be a guy that plays 20 minutes a game, takes like six to eight shots, doesn't have to be the man. Um, it was kind of funny. I mean, for me, for, for me to have watched to have watched him and, you know, I've watched 60, 70 games that Remy Martin has played over the years, you know, and it's kind of funny to watch him and to see him hold up a title is you know a trophy there on stage is, is a little interesting because even though i'll fully admit to being a remy martin hater and i think a lot of it is quite accurate to be quite honest with you but yeah to, to look up at him and be like fuck he got a title like what the hell do we got to do here you know right well i don't think people understand the depth and maybe even complexity of the relationship between kansas and remy martin go back a few years Remy Martin beat Kansas twice in an ASU jersey at in Tempe in 2016, somehow on the road in Lawrence in 2017. And I'm sure Jayhawks fans were like, I hate this guy. How in the world does ASU beat us two straight years? Fast forward to this year. He's a catalyst for winning a national title theater. Wasn't the one in Lawrence a buzzer beater? It might've been. I, I, I honestly don't recall it, but he's, all he does is either help Kansas or, or completely defeat them, right? So uh, a hilarious relationship between Jayhawks and, and Remy Martin fans. But congratulations to Kansas. I will say this. They were the best team all year, okay? They were the best, I would say, most – maybe not most consistent team, but they were the best team all year. And despite the parody, despite all the runs, despite all the craziness of the tournament that it always brings – the best team in my estimation did end up winning the title. And I want to talk a little bit about the storylines of, of the uh, NCAA tournament before we get on out of here. So real quick, shark, let me start with you high level. What were some of the things that you enjoyed the most teams, players, coaches? To me, I St. Peter's was the the biggest takeaway for me. And then it, it, it really is just the narrative of, these schools can do so much to put themselves in a great position to be successful. The Gonzaga's, the Arizona's, the Tennessee's, 
Um, but at the end of the day, these basketball powerhouse blue bloods will always find a way to just rip your heart out. So that, that's the takeaway. If you're picking in the future, if you're looking at the legacy of the sport, it is a crazy, crazy tournament. And more often than not, these select schools are being successful every single year. And once you break into that group, you get into that club, a la Villanova, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to fall apart from that unless you're Indiana, but. Taylor takeaways from this tournament. Um, I guess my takeaway is even more general than that. And I, I guess I don't want to be that guy that is just the sign of the times person, but um to just have a real tournament for the first time in a couple of years was really more my takeaway more than anything specifically. Obviously, uh, the Coach K thing was was uh, fun to follow. Uh, you know, the obvious like uh, St. Peter's and and you know North Carolina being an eight seed, um, the yearly disappointment of Arizona losing a round or two before they should. Um, you know, that's, that's all great. But I think really the, the biggest key was that for the first time in a couple of years, I, I was able to just sit down with my laptop and like a cooler of beer and be like, these are real tournament games happening with real fans. Um, I think for me, the, the moment that I realized the tournament was like back back was when after Arizona beat TCU in what was a great game. Um, I started looking like, Oh God, do I have time to go to San Antonio next weekend? And I think for me that I hadn't felt like that in a couple of years. And so for me, that was kind of my biggest point where I'm like, okay, this is like really back. So I, I know that's kind of an overly generalized statement, but that was kind of my biggest thought on the whole deal here. No, that's a lovely sentiment. And I think we needed that reminder because we always say, don't take this for granted. We said it so many times when COVID struck and the tournament was canceled, then no fans. And now we just kind of went back into it. I think after a couple of rounds, we were like, all right, it's almost as if we never missed a beat. So I'm glad that you did provide that stark reminder that, Hey, do you remember the last two years? Because this was, this was how it's supposed to be. I think my big takeaways, this is the St. Peter's tournament, 15 seed going to an elite eight. I think what enhances that is that I saw them live. I, I We witnessed history, Shark. That's an amazing thing to hang our hat off, uh, St. Peter's. And then you had mentioned, you talk about all these teams putting themselves in a position uh, to win, right? How about these little guys? Doug Eater now on the transfer portal. I'm sure he's going to, he's definitely helped his stock. Shaheen Holloway parlayed this into a Seton Hall job at his alma mater. I think those storylines, this was the St. Peter's run. And I think the first deep run from a double digit seed that we remember is George Mason. I always equate that with 2004. I'm always going to equate 2022 with St. Peter's uh, UNC's run huge. You talk Carolina Duke. I can't believe we got that in a final four, the greatest rivalry ever, the coach K storyline. And in my estimation right now, I could be swayed the second greatest game I've ever seen. So Carolina's run, they played some crazy games. You got to talk about Baylor talk, uh, the semifinal. And then of course the final, um, I also don't want to forget about Michigan, Miami and Providence, really good runs. People are going to forget that Miami went to the elite eight. I guarantee you the first show next year, we're going to be like, Holy shit. Yeah. Miami did go to the elite eight. Believe it, baby. Um, Michigan somehow go into the sweet 16. I'm sorry, shark and Providence. Everyone, this is the first sweet 16 for them in quite some time. Ed Cooley winning national coach of the year. I want to highlight them. But one thing that I do want to make sure people highlight and maybe taking a turn to negative town, I don't think Gonzaga's gotten the amount of or, or the proper or adequate slander that they really should. These guys went out in the Sweet 16, 
Okay, they were the number one overall seed. They had Chet Holmgren, they had Drew Timmy, and they could not get it done. They couldn't even make it to the Elite Eight. I don't think Gonzaga's getting enough shit for this. Uh, Taylor, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, they are somehow fully America's darling now where they can just do no wrong. They, uh, You know, I, I just don't under... I, and I guess, you know, given the fact that I am a fan of who I am a fan of, um, we just get shit on for doing anything, I feel like, uh, on, on the West Coast. Uh, you know, all of the stories about, you know, I kind of opened with this and I didn't mean to have to bring it up twice, but, you know, we're the... Arizona is the face of all this shit and all oh, everyone loses and we're always out too early and all this type of stuff. And yeah, these guys haven't been to a final four in 20 years, all that. And, and then you got a little program up the coast that nobody even watches throughout the year. I mean, if your average college basketball fan maybe watches two or three Gonzaga games a year and they're like, Oh yeah, they got to be pretty good. Actually not to, uh, wax too poetically here and go back to Remy Martin. There's nothing funnier to me than on Twitter last night. Um, Remy Martin, who's a, is he a fifth year or sixth year senior? I, I've lost track at this point. The the people tweeting about, oh, Remy Martin. Well, that's a pretty funny name. As if this motherfucker's not like 24 and has played like 500 college basketball games, right? Those are, talk about college basketball casuals. That's a whole nother story though. But that was cracking me up last night. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I'll shut up here. I, I am in complete agreement with you. They can do no wrong. Uh, they'd have to lose in the first round, like four years in a row for someone to be like, Oh, maybe they could be doing better. I guess. That's what I'm saying. I mean, all these storylines, like an eight seed going to a title game, St. Peter's. I refuse to let it die. I refuse to let it go into the shadows. Gonzaga had a incredibly disappointing tournament. All right. So we'll see if they're able to rebound and maybe we just rinse and repeat next year. All right. It is now that time though, to get on out of here for the season. What a year it's been. We're finally going to close the curtains, but before we do, big thanks are in order. Huge, huge thanks and gratitude to these individuals that were kind enough to share their generous and precious time hopping onto the podcast throughout this entire season. I'm going to start with Mike Burgomaster. Sometime in the offseason, he's best friend of the program. He is going to be a head coach someday. Keep on the lookout for Burgo at Auburn there. Matty Moore, Alameda, the Sharks buddy, he came on. Thank you for your time. David Miller, another guy who is going to be a head coach down the line. He's currently on uh, Tim Miles' San Jose State coaching staff. David, I remember, shared an amazing Kobe story as it pertained to his younger sister. We're definitely going to try and get more stories out of him, especially after year one under Tim Miles. So, David Miller, thank you. Maverick Morgan, the former Illini big man, thank you so much for sharing some incredible stories. Jamal Body, fellow Arizona guy and fellow Arizona player. I shouldn't say fellow Arizona player. I didn't play. Jamal Body did, though. He was an amazing guest. Alec White, who does such a tremendous job covering the Arizona Wildcats down in Tucson. Give him a follow. Alec White is is truly, truly talented. He came on. Thank you. Joe Sweeney. We got a Michigan State guy, Joe Sweeney, who played alongside Draymond Green, shared some incredible stories and interactions that he has uh, with a future Hall of Famer in Draymond and also Tom Izzo, who's currently a Hall of Famer. Thank you, Joe. Mo Creek, he was kind enough to join us, and this was all before uh, his his trial, really, 
and tribulation going through the whole Ukraine mess. We're happy that he's stateside and safe. Mo, thank you for jumping on. Byron Wesley, we ended the program about Gonzaga. The former Gonzaga man was kind enough to jump on and and really shed some light into USC basketball and Gonzaga basketball, and we're very fortunate that he did. Another best friend of the program and someone that is doing great things in his space, the Providence Crier. It's the best podcast, best coverage you will ever have or ever, ever need if you are a PC Friar fan. The Crier, bar none, the best. Thank you for coming on. L.D. Williams, Wake Forest had a tremendous year this year with Coach of the Year, uh, Steve Forbes, they had Player of the Year, Alondis Williams. L.D. Williams was on our program, the former Wake player, current assistant uh, for the Brooklyn Nets. He was awesome. Danny Koenigs, who helped me out with that interview. He's a former Wake guy. Matt Gatons, one of the coaches at Drake University, was able to share some amazing stories. I'm sure he's very thrilled for former Drake Bulldog, who then transferred to Kansas, Joseph Yesifu. So Matt Gatons, thank you so much, man. AJ Bramlett, keep it in the family, Arizona man, NCAA champion. He jumped on earlier this year and was able to tell us about that whole entire run. So thank you, AJ. Clint Sargent, who was NCAA tournament bound, the Horizon League champions, Wright State. He's an assistant coach there. He did a great job on the program, and he was so kind. Truly one of the most genuine people I've ever had had the pleasure of chatting with. Clint, thank you for jumping on. And last but not least, Brad Shin, the Carolina superfan that we had on last week. My heart goes out to him. But yet you want up Duke forever. So, Brad, thank you so much for joining. And by the way, with Brad, uh, the kiss of titch is dead. It is officially dead. If you don't know what the kiss of titch is, it's basically the kiss of death. When you come on, bad things happen to your program later on within a week or so. Brad came on and they beat Duke. So hug for me and hug for all of those guests. And hug for you, the listener. Thank you so much for riding with us all season. You read our dumb tweets. You you saw the nipple rubbing tweets, right? With farmer Fran, you saw the theater everywhere. Uh, you read our blog, you listen to us. We cannot thank you enough. I'm not going to lie. The shark and Taylor and myself put a lot of effort into this and it doesn't go unrewarded with fans like you, with followers, with engagements like you. So thank you so much. Be on the lookout for bigger and better things to come. I'm going to unplug for a bit. I got to get married next week. I'm in the process of buying a house, but Rest assured, I'm going to be in dogged pursuit of uh, more interviews, more guests, more content, hopefully maybe even some more merchandise to throw up on the website. But thank you again so much. And with that, I'm closing the book and I'm closing the curtains on 2021-22 Theater and College Hoops. ball is ticked, and there you are, you're running for your life, you're a shooting star, and all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked, but now it shows, in one shining moment, it's all on the line, in one shining moment, they're frozen. 
time is short And the road is long In the blinking of an eye That moment's gone And when it's done Win or lose You always did your best Cause inside you It's more than a contest, it's more than a Your best, 